Welcome to Hot Copy Radio Theater. You are about to hear a cast of very talented voice performers recreate a long-lost episode of Hot Copy, an exciting audio drama about the wild adventures of a young woman newspaper reporter, which was broadcast on the NBC radio network between 1941 and 1944. This recreation is adapted from the original script. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hot Copy is the absorbing story of a young newspaper woman, Anne Rogers, a smart, attractive girl with a nationally syndicated column, Second Glance, in which she covers many events, which other less courageous reporters would be afraid to touch. Her stories, in the words of her adventurous profession, are always Hot Copy. Now, today's new and exciting episode, Out of Thin Air, adapted from the original script as broadcast on radio, August 13, 1944. Finally dark enough. We just need to be still and wait. Emil. Emil. Nanini, Marina, and Marina. Look, a car is coming. Is everything prepared? Good. Get ready. The car is nearing the curve. Now, Emil, now! But you've simply got to tell me something, Inspector. I've got a daily column to write, and my editor is blowing a fuse because I haven't unearthed even a single new angle on this. And please, for the last time, I have nothing to say about the Wilson case. Absolutely nothing. But Inspector Collins... Inspector, give me a break, won't you? Please. I can't go back to the office without something. I mean, this is a big story. Everybody talking about it. Don't you think I know that? Five mysterious disappearances in five weeks? It's enough to... Five? Ha! I wish it were. The truth is, only five made the headlines. You mean there were more than that? Yes, Sprightly. You're to a dozen. Oh, my Lord! A dozen? Well, thank heavens for any new scrap of information. Yes, a dozen. However... This is off the record, Anne. I absolutely forbid you from printing even one word of it. What? But that's not fair, Inspector. 
Heck no. Anne is a newspaper woman. She's supposed to... Not one single word. <sighs> Anne, listen. You know perfectly well that if I actually knew anything about this mess, I'd open up. Oh, sure. No, of course I would. I always play ball with the press, but this case... Well? This case is different. What do you mean by different? It's more than merely news. It's the sort of thing that, well, if the facts ever got out and into the general public, it could easily create a panic. A panic? Inspector, what are you trying to say? What is going on? Off the record, Anne. Yes, yes, of course, if you insist. Very well, then. Now, the thing that I'm trying to say is that, for the first time in my memory, the police department is confronted with a problem that defies all rational solution. We have absolutely no idea why, where, or how any of these people vanished. It's like they just walked straight off the face of the earth, without leaving any trace or clue behind them. Inspector, are you kidding? Do you mean to tell me that a dozen people can slip completely out of sight without leaving any trace? That is exactly what I am telling you. In the past five weeks, twelve men and women in eight different automobiles have disappeared. None has ever been seen or heard from since. Did they have any type of connection with each other? No. We thought of that, Anne. We investigated the lives and backgrounds of each and every one of them. They had no connection, and they were all as clean as a hound's tooth. No criminal histories either? No gangster tie-ups? No embezzlements? No desire to disappear from, let's say, awkward circumstances? Absolutely none. Five of the disappearances were ordinary businessmen living quiet lives with no more adventure or desire for adventure than an occasional night at the movies. So what about the others? Two were women, the wives of the men I just mentioned. Two were soldiers, home on furlough. One was a factory worker. And the Wilsons, the couple who vanished last night, were on their honeymoon. Good golly, that's sure a strange mixture, isn't it? So strange that it's absolutely meaningless. Honeymooners wouldn't be likely to vanish into thin air. <laughs> Inspector, I know that you've already investigated to see if these people had any connection with each other, so I assume you've also checked as to whether they had anything in common, of course. Anne, I'm a policeman. I moved heaven and earth to discover any sort of tie-up, howsoever remote, between the vanished, but not a thing. Except that you said all these people were driving. Were their cars damaged in any way? Bullet holes or anything like that? I don't know, Anne. Don't know? You mean you didn't look to see? I mean, the cars have never been found either. The cars have never been... Oh, come on now, Inspector. This is getting a little bit ridiculous. I can accept the idea of human beings vanishing, but when it comes to inanimate objects weighing a ton or more? You're going to need to accept that and like it. Or perhaps you can find the cars for us. Then we'll like you. Where did these cars disappear, Inspector? Sprightly, if we had any idea, do you think I'd be sitting here waiting for my hair to turn gray? No, but, I mean, between where and where? Oh, that. Well, now, that is the only suspicion of a clue that we have. All the cars disappeared on the Newville Highway, 
but so far we haven't been able to make anything of it. Wait, what? In each case, the victims head out from Newville for the city after dark. But in no case did they ever arrive here. Inspector, there's an old wooden bridge on the Newville Highway. It's a dangerous old thing without railings. It crosses Perch River on this side of Hendersonville. Yes, I know. But they didn't go off that bridge, if that's what you're thinking. We dragged the water below. Oh. What about all the houses, gas stations, farms, tourist camps, all on the highway? Yes, I suppose you... We combed every inch of the 30 miles between here and Newville, questioned every man, woman, and child within hailing distance of the road, and we drew a blank. Someone could have been lying. Sure, and someone could have been hiding 12 people and 8 automobiles in their hall closet, too. Nope, it's just a tough case. A genuine mystery. If I were a superstitious man, I'd be half inclined to... to... To what, Inspector? Oh, nothing. Just skip it. No. Please? What were you going to say? Well, I started to say that if I were a superstitious man, which I'm not, mind you, I'd be half inclined to agree with Flanagan. Mike Flanagan? From the Detective Bureau? What does he say? Mike swears it's no human agency behind the disappearances at all. He says it's the little people. Leprechauns? <laughs> Good old Mike. What makes him say a thing like that? Well, he argues that every one of these disappearances happened either in the dark of the moon or on a rainy night. Is that true? Hey, it rained last night. Why, yes, it did. But of course, it's sheer coincidence. Yes, possibly so. Still. Well, Sprightly, we'd better be going. Okay. Nice seeing you, Inspector. Yes, indeed. Hurry back. And, oh, Anne. Yes, Inspector? Please remember, this conversation was off the record. Right. And, Inspector, I'll give you a statement that's off the record, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. This afternoon, Sprightly and I are going to take a little automobile ride out on the Newville Highway. Close the cabinet door, Emile. Throw the bolts. Now the switch. Quickly, Emile. Enough, Emile. The switch. Now the cabinet, Emil. Open the door, quickly, and be careful. Maybe this time he will... Hurry! Hurry!
But I felt something stir, Emil. I'm sure I felt. Let me see. Let me feel for myself. No. Failure again. Very well, Emil. We will try again. It is a dark night. Soon it will rain. Go quickly and set up the sign. Prepare the equipment. Tonight we must find another subject. the all-American flopperoo, eh, Annie? Huh? What say, Sprightly? I said it was a nice day for a ride in the country, but a lousy day for discovering clues. Yes, I'm afraid we didn't learn very much, except that Collins was right. Yeah, well, that, and the fact that the inside of a pocket is the only thing darker than the Newville Highway at night... Yes, and to top it all off, here comes rain. Oh well, better turn on the windshield wipers, I guess. This is what I'd call the end of a very imperfect day. Can't you get this crate to go any faster, sugar pie? I'd like to, Sprightly, but I don't exactly trust my tires at high speeds. They're kind of... ancient. (laughs) And... Of course, the highway department would have to make matters worse by shoving a detour on this back road just when we're in a hurry. What was the idea of that, do you suppose? I didn't notice anything wrong with the road on the way to Newville, did you? No, but they're always making repairs of one kind or another. Mm, Listen to that rain now. Yeah, it's really coming down in sheets, huh? And blankets and quilts. Well, thank heaven for headlights, anyhow. I'd sure hate to meet another car on this back road, wouldn't you? I'll say. Narrow and slippery, too, now that it's raining so hard. Well, we're not very likely to... Ah! Anne! Headlights! Right in front of us! Yes, I see! Get over! Get over there, you idiot! He's on the wrong side of the road! We're skidding! Hold tight, Sprightly! We're gonna hit him! sign. Then hurry back and help me get them to the laboratory. Emil, this time my plan will be successful.
Miss? Wake up, miss. Oh, my head. Look out, Sprightly, the headlights! Please, miss, be calm. The danger is gone. You are safe now. Uh, safe? I'm... But the other car, and my friend, Sprightly, where is she? She is safe, too. Here, drink this. Thank you. Ugh. I know it does not taste very good, but it will strengthen you. Your friend is in the adjoining room. Do you feel strong enough to go there? Yes. Yes, I'm fine now. Then follow me. This way, please. Sprightly! Sprightly! Angel! Are you? Annie, you're all right? Yes, of course. Perfectly. And you? I'm all right now. I didn't know what was going on. I woke up to find this man leaning over me. I spoke to him, but... He didn't answer you? <laughs> no, Emil is mute. Aren't you, Emil? Oh. I... I'm sorry. That's all right, Miss... Uh, Miss... Rogers and Rogers. And this is my assistant, Miss Poole. Charmed. My name is Klieg, Anton Klieg. You have uh, heard of me, perhaps? Well, I, uh, that is, sir, um... <laughs> I, I, I see. No apologies are necessary, Miss Rogers. Obviously, not everyone is acquainted with men of eminence in the scientific world. But, as I was saying, Emil is not... Sensitive about his handicap, are you, Emil? Fusque valley to torto pretty. Dr. Klieg, I can't begin to thank you for what you've done for us. I suppose our car was pretty badly smashed up. I'm afraid so. It's a miracle we escaped alive. Yes, a miracle. A wonderful, wonderful miracle. And the other car, Doctor? Other? Oh, yes. The other car. Please, don't worry about that, Miss Rogers. Just try to relax. Emil and I have some work to do in my laboratory, but we will return in a little while for further conversation. That's awfully nice of you, Doctor, but I don't think we should impose on your kindness. Nonsense, my dear. My home is yours. But... We would like to let our friends know that we're safe. If I could use your phone? I'm sorry, but uh, I, I have no phone. And your car is wrecked. <laughs> no, no, my dear. I'm afraid you must take my advice. Just relax and rest. I will see you both later. Emil! Well... There's a genuine oddball. Yes, a very odd oddball, Sprightly. Oh, well, guess he's right. We darn near crashed through the pearly gates last night. <laughs> Man.
maybe we ought to take it easy for a while. Perhaps so, Sprightly. But is it necessary to relax behind locked doors? What? Did you say locked? Yes, Dr. Cleeg locked that door. The only door behind him. I wonder why. And I also wonder if these windows are locked. Well, Annie? See for yourself, Sprightly. Locked and barred. Creeping jeepers, Annie. What does it mean? Locked doors? Barred windows? I'm afraid it means just what it looks like, Sprightly. That we're not really guests of our kindly benefactor. We're prisoners. We'll return to our exciting story in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. Do you love a good old-fashioned mystery? If so, you'll love my podcast, The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Six days a week, we bring you a different detective program from the golden age of radio. We listen to the episode, and I share my thoughts and respond to your feedback. Check us out at greatdetectives.net. And now, back to Hot Copy. While investigating a series of mysterious disappearances, Anne and Sprightly wrecked their car in a collision on a lonely stretch of highway. Then, rescued by the eccentric Dr. Klieg, they now find themselves being held prisoner in the strange home of their host. Well, Sprightly, any luck? No, I'm trying to twist it, but I can't seem to... I just can't get hold of it. Let me try. Wait a minute. I think I've got it. Oh, darn. Slipped again. I just can't get this bobby pin to hook onto the lock mechanism. Ugh. Annie, you sure you ain't got a skeleton key in your purse? No, I'm afraid not. Well, remind me to look up that guy who's always saying women can open anything with a bobby pin. I want to give him a good kick in the pants. This doggone luck? Let me try it. Maybe I'll have better luck. Okay. Hear you. Wait a minute. Listen. They're coming back. Quick, Sprightly. Get away from that door. Okay. And pretend like we don't know anything's wrong? That's the idea. And please... Stop shaking. I'm not scared. I'm just tingling with with righteous indignation. Shh. Good evening, ladies. You feel better now? More rested? Well, yes. We do feel more rested. Fine. Fine. I like my subjects to be in the best possible physical condition. Subjects? Dr. Cleek? Guests, if you prefer, Miss Rogers. Now then, I thought you might like to see my little laboratory. Come this way, please. Um, excuse me, Doctor. Of course we appreciate your kindness in inviting us to visit your laboratory, but we've been thinking things over, and we've decided that we really must go. Our friends will be worried. Friends? 
You have friends who are searching for you? Well, not exactly. That is, nobody knows where we are. Sprightly, please. Good. Good. In that case... No! What I mean is, Anne is an important newspaper columnist. Naturally, they'll be looking for her if she doesn't... Columnist? You? But, of course, Anne Rogers of Second Glance. Yes, Doctor. I write Second Glance. Do you hear that, Emile? A famous newspaper columnist. What luck. Marvelous luck. Luck? Dr. Klieg, what do you mean, luck? <laughs> that is something you will soon learn. Come, Miss Rogers, Miss Poole. I am eager to show you everything. Come with me. No, Dr. Klieg. You, too, will be thrilled and excited when you see... What? You said no? I said no. I'm not moving even one step from this room until I know what's going on here. And that goes double for me. In spades. Then you are going to be... difficult. Call it what you wish, Doctor, but I think we're entitled to an explanation. Yes, what about these locked doors and barred windows? And your mysterious way of phrasing things. Emil? Hey, he's got a gun. <gasps> yes, Miss Poole, he has a gun. And Emil is an excellent shot. Now see here, Dr. Klieg, if you think you can frighten us into whatever... You... Show them, Emil. Yes, I give you permission to fire the gun in the house. Look carefully at that small picture on the far wall. Now, aim and shoot at the thin little cord that holds it in place. My goodness! You see, Miss Rogers? Now will you come, or must I ask Emil to? We'll come, Dr. Klig. Good. I knew you were an intelligent woman, Miss Rogers. You recognize discretion to be the better part of valor. <laughs> This is my laboratory. Now, please, make yourselves comfortable. Emil! Don't put the gun away. I don't want our guests to get any ideas. So, just display it as a uh, reminder. <laughs> We don't need any reminders, Doctor. We are well aware that we are your prisoners. Guests, Miss Rogers. Guests. Or subjects. Not prisoners. What is this all about? And that machine? It looks like some kind of big cabinet. What's it supposed to be? Well, I have no idea, Sprightly. But perhaps Dr. Klieg will enlighten us. You are really interested, then. I knew you would be once you got down here and actually saw my marvelous invention. Invention? 
Then you're an inventor? The greatest inventor the world has ever known. The greatest, Miss Rogers. No man on Earth has ever dared to dream of such marvels as those created by Dr. Anton Kleeg. Annie, this guy is nuts. I'm afraid you're right, Sprightly. Well, for now, let's just stall for time. Keep him talking. Doctor, please tell us about this invention of yours. What is it? What does it do? <laughs> Come over here, my dears, and I will show you. Come, both of you. Now, there. What do you see? You mean in this cage? Yes, Miss Rogers, in this small cage. Why, why, I don't see anything. And you, Miss Poole? Nothing at all. You do not see a squirrel in that cage? A squirrel? There's a squirrel in this room, but he's not in that cage. Sprightly, knock it off. No, you don't see it. You can't see it, but... There is a live squirrel in that cage. None that I can see. <laughs> Just watch that wheel inside. I place this cracker on it like so, and now you will see it move. Annie, it's moving. Y yes, I see, but it's got to be a trick. Some kind of mechanical gadget or an electrical device. This laboratory is full of things like that. <laughs> true, Miss Rogers, true. I have an electrical generator giving me all the power I need for almost anything. But I assure you, this cage is not wired in any way. Then it's... it's an optical illusion. Yes, an optical illusion. The greatest of all optical illusions, a secret discovered by the greatest of all living scientists, myself, the secret of invisibility. Invisibility? Exactly. I, Dr. Anton Klieg, scorned by the world of lesser intellect, derided by the stupid so-called experts of science, I have discovered the means of making living, breathing creatures invisible. But, but that's impossible, Dr. Klieg. Impossible? No. That is nonsense. The proof moves right before your eyes. Here is a squirrel inside that cage, turning the wheel in a futile effort to reach the food. I have rendered invisible many other small creatures. Rats, white mice, rabbits, cats. But how can a thing be without being seen? My dear Miss Poole... Many things exist but cannot be seen. There are tones which are inaudible to the human ear, yet dogs howl in agony at those same vibrations. There are colors 
which are unguessed by the human eye. How else could vultures in the wasteland unerringly circle to carrion on which they would feed? They, they smell it, I assume? Birds do not possess the sense of smell, Miss Rogers. Instead, they see, rising from the dead thing, a plume of color. Specifically, the color of a wavelength invisible to human eyes. Or take that great phenomena, electricity. We cannot actually see it, can we? Yet we know it exists by its results. Well, that's true, of course, but... Of course. And I impregnated these creatures with a jolt of electricity that caused their bodies to vibrate at a frequency which makes them completely invisible to human eyes. Yes, I, Dr. Anton Klieg, I have created a machine that will make me the master of mankind when it is completed. Completed? Then it is not yet perfected? Not yet. Because I have not yet discovered the exact amount of electrical power necessary to make a human body invisible. <gasps> a human body? Human? <gasps> it was you, Dr. Klieg. You caused the disappearances. The Wilsons and all those others. Yes, Miss Rogers. They were my subjects. Experiments that failed, unfortunately. So, where are they? Yes, what happened to them? I am afraid they had to be discarded, Miss Rogers. The true scientist must expect failures at first. However... Some were already dead when I put them into the machine. Unhappily, they did not survive the accident which brought them to my door. Others did not emerge from the machine alive. What? Did not emerge? <gasps> you! You murderer! Please, Miss Rogers, I am not a murderer. I am a scientist. What is one human life in comparison with my goal? My last experiment was almost successful. Now, as far as that man Wilson, he was alive when I seated him in the cabinet and turned on the current. He did not come out. But there was no dead body in the cabinet. His body vanished into invisibility. Vanished? You raving idiot! Don't you realize that what you've created is not some new kind of scientific wonder, but a, a monstrous new type of electric chair, one that destroys its victims? Why, it's simply an incinerator for human bodies. Yes, Doctor, you haven't invented a doorway to invisibility, not at all. I think you've unwittingly created an incinerator that is so efficient that nothing is left. You shall judge that better, Miss Rogers, after you have watched my next experiment on your friend, Miss Poole. On Sprightly? <gasps> Annie! He's... Stand still. Emile, watch them. Emile, listen. Your master is insane. You know that, don't you? I don't believe you're responsible for what he's doing. I think he somehow forced you to help him. 
<laughs> Help us, Emil! Help us get out of here! Emil, I promise that you won't be punished for any of his crimes. Put down that gun and just let us go. You're wasting your time, Miss Rogers. He can't answer you. Can you, Emil? Marbilandi Kursuf Risotutriki Miposura Nane. No, he can't answer you, nor will he ever reveal his master's secrets to anyone. Emil, please, put the gun down. Or, better still, point it at this lunatic. Help us escape. Lunatic, Miss Rogers? <laughs> As you wish, but a lunatic who is destined to rule the world. And now, enough of this. Emil, prepare the chamber. It is time to get started with our experiment. Open the cabinet door. Experiment? No. Annie? Well, Emil, didn't you hear me? What's the matter with you? Why are you acting so strangely? Sprightly, he's turning the gun. He's pointing it at Klieg. Emil. What are you struggling against? Drop that gun! Drop it, you fool! Drop it now! Quick, Sprightly! Make a break for the door! Come back, Emil! <laughs> Sprightly! Someone! At the door! Run! Run! Anne! Sprightly! It's Inspector Collins! Annie! Yes! Run! Hurry! Hurry! Anne! Something happened! The house! Lightning! The house has been struck by lightning! It's on fire! Don't stop, Sprightly! Run! Goodness, you came when you did, Inspector. How would we ever have found our way out from that terrible place? That madman? I don't know. Now, please, Anne. Don't talk about it. Just try to forget it for a little while. <laughs> try to forget it? No, I need to talk about it. It's the only way I'll ever get this entire thing straight in my mind. Now, you say that you tracked us down because a bridge was washed out in the storm. That's right, the Perch River Bridge. So we knew you couldn't have crossed the river, and you had been seen passing through Hendersonville. We combed the small roads between the two places and found a detour sign behind some bushes. So that was how Klieg misdirected the victims to his place. But the accident, we were forced off the road by a car coming at us. No, by two headlights, Anne. What? Two headlights mounted on a metal frame, on a dark, stormy night, flashing suddenly in your eyes. You'd think it was a car. You swerved into an embankment and cracked up. It's a miracle you both weren't killed. We survived because I was driving somewhat slowly, 
I didn't want to take chances driving fast in a thunderstorm since my car tires are recaps. Dr. Clegg told us that some of the other victims had died in crashes on the highway. I suppose he buried the bodies somewhere. We'll never know now. That old house burned like a box of matches after the lightning struck it. All that high-powered electrical equipment practically invited lightning. And what about Emil? Did he get out? You two were the only ones who escaped. That's too bad. He was an ugly guy, but he turned out to have a kind heart after all. Anne's words must have touched some spot down deep inside his soul. I... I suppose so. You suppose so? Don't you know, Annie? Not sure about anything. Logically, everything is quite clear. We made a friend in Emil. He turned against his master and came to our aid in the final showdown. I'll say he did. That's the reasonable explanation. It's the one thing I'm going to accept for the sake of my own sanity. But I can't help wondering... Wondering what, Anne? There was no sympathy in Emil's eyes when he raised the revolver against Cleeg, only fury. And he seemed to be struggling against his own thoughts, struggling against his own actions. By golly, so he did. But what does it mean? I don't know, and I'm not sure I want to know. But Cleek told us that his last victim, Wilson, had disappeared in the cabinet. And here's something I wonder. Was there a squirrel in that cage? Good question, Sprightly. And here's one more. Yes, Annie? Right after Emil shot Cleek, the electrical current went on, attracting the lightning that destroyed the house. What I'd like to know is, was it Emil? Or an invisible hand that threw that switch? Thank you for tuning in to Hot Copy Radio Theater. We truly hope that you have enjoyed our recreation of Out of Thin Air, a lost episode of the radio audio drama Hot Copy, originally broadcast on August 13, 1944. Our cast on this episode featured Rhonda Sigler-Ware as Ann Rogers, Samantha Thompson as Sprightly Poole, Christian Newhouse as Inspector Collins, Jerry Kokich as Dr. Anton Klieg, and yours truly, John Worsley, as Emil, and also as your announcer. This episode was adapted from the original script, written by Nelson S. Bond. Hot Copy Radio Theater is produced and edited under the direction of Jim Goodluck. Now, if you like this show, please take a moment of your time and go to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. Then give a five-star rating and review for Hot Copy Radio Theater. Finally, if you would like to contact any of the voice actors from this episode, or if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions in regard to this show, please send an email to hotcopyradiotheater at gmail.com. You can also follow this show on Twitter as at hotcopyradio. In addition, we have recently begun a Facebook page where you can make comments and give feedback. We invite you to tune in again on the 10th of each month for another thrilling presentation of Hot Copy Radio Theater.